Welcome to the Cuban Genealogy Podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you research your Cuban ancestors by keeping you up to date on Cuban research with a focus on digital records. Whether you are new to family history or a seasoned pro, there's something for everyone at the Cuban Genealogy Podcast. We cover everything from parish records, to cemeteries, to DNA, to celebrity stories with their family trees. We hope to keep you interested and entertained as you continue to research your Cuban family history. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Brian Toscobello. Welcome to Podcast 103. We are discussing Freemasons in Cuba, and more specifically, what that means if you find some Freemasons in your family tree. So, first of all, why are we bringing up the topic of Freemasons in Cuban genealogy anyways? Well, if you visit the Cologne Cemetery, you will see multiple group lodge cemetery plots scattered throughout. And my first research stop for my great aunt led me to one of the smaller group lodge cemetery plots, which at the beginning I thought was a Freemason, which turned out to be an odd fellow. But before we get too deep into secret society adventure, let's review some quick facts about Freemasons and secret societies in Cuba. And then move on to our first case study. In future podcasts, we will further discuss the Freemasons and the Odd Fellows and the Afro-Cuban version of the Freemasons, the Abacua, who also have their own special area in the Cologne Cemetery. Okay, Freemason quick facts. The Freemason Grand Masonic Lodge in Havana is 11 stories tall. It's one of the tallest buildings in Havana and was opened in 1955, most likely built by Freemasons. There are an estimated 316 lodges in Cuba, and that's as of 2010. With about 29,000 plus estimated members, and this is all according to Christopher Hodap, the author of Freemasons for Dummies. According to him, one-third of Cuba's members live in Havana. Freemasonry first appeared in Cuba in 1763, and then increased about 20 years later in 1791 with the influx of French Masons fleeing the Haitian Revolution. Freemasons still exist in Cuba today. That's 250 years of history. And lastly, there are other lots of societies visible in the Cologne Cemetery. The IOOF stands for the International Order of Odd Fellows. And as we explain this concept in the case study, keep this in mind, that I found an Odd Fellow in my family tree and I was so excited. It's also noted that women were allowed membership in the Odd Fellow Lodges, and they were referred to as Rebecca's. Under the Rebecca degree, decree, based on Rebecca from the Old Testament, um, and some Freemasons were also odd fellows. So this is going to be a little bit tricky. So let's take a quick break and then we'll jump right in. Okay, upon visiting the Necropolis Cologne Cemetery in Havana, you will notice Freemason symbols on various tombstones, as well as entire group cemetery plots dedicated for specific Masonic Lodge members. Here are a few of the bigger plots that can be found around the Cologne Cemetery. Martires de Libertad, Pozos Dulces, Estrada Palma, Cosmopolita, and Pureza. 
So that's just a few of them. Um, these are not sudden hidden grave sites. They're some of the largest cemetery plots in the Cologne Cemetery and usually have ornate backgrounds um, where, all, where many of the members are, are, are all buried. So on to the little personal story. My great aunt, my the oldest sister of my grandmother, is interred in the Thomas Wildey Number no. 2 Cemetery plot. She doesn't have a tombstone or a plaque, and there are only a few headstones on top of this massive cemetery plot. At the top, I see I-O-O-F, Thomas Wildey number two. So there's probably a number one somewhere in the cemetery. I'll have to find that next. I asked my tour guide what lodge or what locio this refers to, and she asked me if my aunt was a Freemason. I don't know much about my great aunt, um, her name's Elvigia Bello. She passed away young at 37 in the Cotorro suburb of Havana. And she is my second known family member at the Cologne Cemetery. My tour guide asked me if my aunt was a Rebecca. So now we're getting kind of these two concepts confused, the Freemasons and the Rebeccas. Of course, I was puzzled. There's so much information to absorb. Super hot in the cemetery. It's in the summer. And so I made a note that I needed to research this later. So I finally got to Google, and it seems the IOOF stands for the International Order of Odd Fellows. Of course, this sounds like a secret society of quirky people, and I'm quickly intrigued to learn more. I did see a few more cemetery plots with the IOOF acronym, and they usually have this symbol of three links of chain that kind of make an arch under the IOF, IOOF title. These photos will be uploaded to our Digital Cuba Instagram and as well as our website, digitalcuba.org. So according to midnightfreemasons.org, here's a little passage that I'd like to share with you. Believe it or not, the Independent Order of Oddfellows, IOOF, is not affiliated with or an appendant body of Freemasonry. However, it is pretty obvious that the two fraternities are very similar in both the symbolism, the symbolism that they use, the values they share, and the way they began. Both fraternities use many of the same symbols. The all-seeing eye, the sun and the moon, the holy bible, and the beehive are a few of many of the symbols used by both fraternities. Freemasons will readily recognize nearly all the symbols on the Oddfellows chart below. They also have an initiation and degree system, much like masonry. And the Oddfellows use aprons as part of their regalia. More on the Freemason-Oddfellow connection when we return. So, much like Freemasonry, the Oddfellows claim their roots also go back to the trade guilds in the 12th and 13th centuries. This is Europe. So both Freemasons and the Oddfellows are value-based groups with a desire to help men improve themselves. But while Freemasonry's main objective is to make good men better, the emphasis of the Oddfellows is in contributing to charitable works and providing aid and assistance. My aunt's gravestone, gravesite has the three chain link symbols that I mentioned earlier. They stand for friendship, love, and truth. Isn't that beautiful? Even I want to join the Oddfellows. 
So, while the similarities between the two fraternities are obvious, they are very different organizations. And the Odd Fellows were the first fraternity in the United States to open to both men and women. And this carried over into the Odd Fellows in Cuba. They were also the first to build homes for their senior members and for orphan children. The Odd Fellows are very active on social media today, and their post, if you look up hashtag Odd Fellows and hashtag IOOF, they have a very magical, secret feeling to them, a very universe, cosmic, graphic, you know, beauty to them. There is an order of Odd Fellow Lodges listed for Havana, and I will put them on my contact list and follow up to see, you know, where was Thomas Wildey number number one? Where are they scattered throughout the island? Do they have any genealogical records? What's what's their story? Do they come to Cuba later? So there's still a few mysteries that we will save for a future podcast once that re- once we get to that research. We will definitely look for the Oddfellow symbols in other cemeteries as throughout Cuba as part of our ongoing cemetery studies project for the island. And now back to the Freemasons. So the main headquarters is in Havana Vieja, and it has all the ornate Masonic symbols. There's supposed to be an impressive library in one of the top floors, but it's not open to the public. It would be great to get some inside scoop of what the interior of the headquarters building is like. I see a picture of the clock on the outside with the Masonic symbols in it. Uh, Most Freemason ceremonies and meetings are formal events. But in Cuba, it was completely acceptable to show up more casual, you know, even in a Guayabera. Um, this is to make all socioeconomic members of the Masons feel comfortable if they couldn't afford more formal clothing. So if you go and click through the records for Cologne Cemetery at findagrave.com, you will see some of the Masonic tombstone records that we've transcribed. We will put together a more itemized list of the large Masonic sites so that it's easier for you to skim through those lists and see if you have any in your family tree. So with about 250 years of history in Cuba, it should be easy to have some Masonic members show up in your family tree. I'm excited to research further and see if if my aunt was a Rebecca, just an odd fellow, or a friend of an odd fellow, or if her husband was connected to the odd fellows. So, in conclusion, we've just begun to discuss these social groups that exist in Cuba. I want to break it down over a few podcasts so we don't get too lengthy. And it should be kind of fun and exciting to see if any of these societies show up in your family tree, like they're showing up in mine. And we will also return to Freemasons in the future, in a future podcast, and the Odd Fellows and the Abacua, which is the Afro-Cuban version of the Freemasons in Cuba, and I'm super excited to learn more about them, and we will bring that to you in a future podcast. I will list all the references that I use in this show in the show notes. If you're curious to read to read more, if you want to check and dig deeper, if you have a story to share with your Freemasons in your family tree, please email us at digitalcuba.org at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Is there Taino in your DNA? Do you have Native American showing up in your Ancestry.com profile? 
the Cuban Genealogy Podcast, travel to the Taino exhibit in New York City. We will share that experience with you in the next podcast. Cuban Genealogy, do you have Taino DNA in your family tree? And surprisingly, I personally do have 4% Taino in my DNA, and that is according to Ancestry.com's breakdown. But even if you don't have Taino ancestry, I hope you tune into the podcast anyways, just so you can get a better understanding of who was living in Cuba and the greater Caribbean area once it was discovered by Europeans. We also have some upcoming events. We have Secaucus, New Jersey on January 14th, 2019 at the Secaucus Public Library at 11 a.m. We are expecting quite a crowd. I'm super excited to be with the Havana on the Hudson Cubans in New Jersey. I'm super excited to meet them. This event is hosted by the Hudson County Historic and Genealogy Society with the Cuban Genealogy presentation brought to you by yours truly, Brian Tosco Bello. I'm super excited about this presentation. I'm gonna have all digital Cuba's information broken down. We're going to have fun little giveaways. It's going to be a fun event. I'm going to have blown up pictures of pictures that I've taken around the cemetery. Should be a very interesting presentation. This, the following month in Salt Lake City, February 2019, the largest genealogy conference in the world, Roots Tech. The Cuban Genealogy Podcast will be there. We're trying to schedule a Cuban researcher happy hour so we can all meet, you know, early, early in the in the schedule. Just so we can show some solidarity, share some experiences with our family research. Those tickets are on sale, rootstech.org, and you can look for me walking around with a Cuban Genealogy Podcast t-shirt. We are also looking for a venue in the Los Angeles area for a Cuban genealogy presentation. We want to invite all the Cuban area Cubans to attend. So if you have any ideas on a venue or who we can contact, please send us an email at digitalcuba.org at gmail.com. And that's all for this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please tell a friend. We're now on iTunes, Google Play, CastBox, Anchor. We're on all the major podcast platforms. I can barely keep up. Thank you again. I'm your host, Brian Toscobello.